There's a moment. So I was in, last week y'all had my friend. How many were blessed with Devon Franklin here? Am I? That's my brother and, and praise God that he brought us together to create content in Hollywood, full of faith, full of Jesus, impacting the world through secular studios for such a time as this. But I was in Australia, and I had a moment I want to share with you. Matter of fact, I did not share it at 9 o'clock. Some of the guys in the green room kind of prompted me to share it here uh, for this service, for whatever reason. Maybe somebody needs to hear it. We were in Australia. We did Planet Shakers, just a great conference in Australia, in Melbourne. And the, the, the theme of the conference was Show Me Your Glory right? So it's the last day of conference, and there's an iconic song that I think Pastor Lauren Dittmore is going to hit next week from that conference called Show Me Your Glory. We'll try to make it happen here. It's a, it's a little bit complicated, but it's a powerful, very strong song. At the end of the conference, watch this. Show Me Your Glory. And, and I, it's one of those moments where you know it's God. You know, when you, sometimes it's you, and you know it's you, so you should say, I think in my spirit, I feel in my spirit. But when you know it's God, there's no question about it. Like there's no ambiguity, right? Like you know 100% it's God. It was a moment where I knew 100% it was God. Holy Spirit hits me and says, this is good, but it's not great. So I go, huh? Because I kept on saying, show me your glory, show me your glory. And he, and he told me, hey, Sam, this is good, but it's not great. I go, what do you mean? He said, yeah, it's good that you're asking me to show you my glory, but he goes, uh, I already did. I went, what? He went, no, no, that was Moses, Exodus 33, 18. That's the old covenant. Show me my glory was Moses in the old covenant. Jesus is the glory of God. He said, Samuel, go tell the church this. Tell them I already showed you the glory. I filled you with the glory. I anointed you with the glory. Now it's me, God, telling you, show the world my glory. Did you get that? Please look at your neighbor, tell a neighbor, I'm about to show off the glory of God. Oh, you have no idea what you just said. Somebody show off the glory of God, Jesus, through your praise, through your life. Real quick, real quick testimony. Uh, all the Cowboy fans, lift up your hands. You have courage. All the 49er fans. So I get a call. I got a, came back from Australia. I got a call from, from the Dallas Cowboys. Got a call from the Cowboys, and, and I've, I've ministered to them before. They've invited me to preach at their chapel services when they're in, either playing Oakland, when they were playing Oakland back in the day, and with the 49ers. So they're just friends. I know the chaplain, uh, Tony Evans' son, Jonathan, beautiful people. Uh, and say, hey, Pastor Sam, Cowboys are playing the 49ers. I want you to come in and, and preach to the Cowboys and do chapel. And it was yesterday. So I, I, so I had another conference in Dublin. So, and I just got back from Australia and I did a pit stop in Hawaii for an ORU board meeting, a university I serve on. So, uh, pit stops in Hawaii are pretty cool, by the way. I'm just saying, pit stops, better Hawaii than like Turlock, as it pertains to pit stops, right? Nothing about per Turlock, I'm just saying pit stops. Um, so, uh, so I guess back, I go, all right, let me check with this. I called the guy from the conference yesterday and I go, hey dude, 
Cowboys called me up. They want me to do chapel. Can I do chapel? Because I'm 30 minutes away from you and end up for your conference. He goes, man, no. Your speaking time is right at that same time. So I call back the Cowboys and I go like, hey, man, I want to do it. I'm booked in the region. Oh, man. And then I went, but there's, I have other preachers on my staff. Now, I know y'all going to find somebody else. If you can't find anybody else, I'm going to recommend so-and-so speaker from my staff. They're great. They love Jesus. Bible-centered. They don't, they're, they are not weird, but they're wired. Um, and but, so passionate, but biblical and Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed by it. Blah, blah, blah. The guy says, let me speak to powers that be and get it approved. Comes back and says, we're going to take your recommendation. We're going to do it. So, Pastor Nathan, he is the chapel for the Dallas Cowboys. That was yesterday, dude. Talk to me. How, how was it? Just talk to me what happened. It was amazing. As I said this morning, first of all, thank you for the recommendation. It's kind of wild. I'm here all week. <laughs> um, it, was, it was truly an amazing experience. I mean, obviously being able to meet the athletes and all that's great, but what blew me away more than anything is the night before an extremely important playoff game. You have a room full of athletes at the highest level, you know, and they're worrying about schemes and plays and plans. And for 20 minutes, they set aside time to get into the Word, to experience the Spirit of God, to understand that against pressure, always choose prayer. Against panic, always choose peace. And against the fire, always choose faith. And they stood up, they prayed, we came into agreement. It was an amazing time. It was an amazing time. Wow. That, how many believe that God gives you influence to impact his communities and opportunities and doors? So in full disclosure, you preached and prayed over the Dallas Cowboys. If the Cowboys win. Here's the thing. I am, I was born in Pennsylvania. True story. And I've grown up my entire life an Eagles fan. So you're an Eagles fan. And so. So what did I, so I didn't tell him, I didn't tell him what to preach at all. I just went like. You preach whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to preach, but I'm going to give you one advice as your dad and as your pastor. Do not quote Isaiah chapter 40. Don't, don't mention you will rise up with wings as eagles. Whatever you do, don't reference the eagles to the cowboys. But God Just, is good, and he prepares a place for me in the presence of Stop it. Don't say the rest. Don't say the rest. Don't say the rest. I'm going to sit you down now for a second. Before you're seated, I want you to hear me. There is a Joshua anointing descending upon this house. Joshua is synonymous with occupying the promise. There's an anointing coming upon you where you will lead your family into the promises of God. I'm going to tell you this. I need you to make room for that. As a matter of fact, as you find your seat, tell two people around you, especially the one that doesn't want to talk to you, Tell that neighbor there's a Joshua anointing descending upon you. Tell him that right now. There's a Joshua anointing descending upon you. The, the series, Occupy the Promise, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. 
I want to speak to you briefly on the promise of Joshua, the promise of victory, and the promise of Jehovah Nisi. The promise of Joshua, the promise of victory, and the promise of Jehovah Nisi. There's a Joshua anointing descending. Who was Joshua? Joshua was born in Egypt as a slave. Joshua was forced to make bricks without straw. Joshua followed Moses out of Egypt as his servant. That was Joshua. Joshua crossed the Red Sea bearing witness to one of the greatest truths about the God we serve. Our God is the way maker. God will make a way where there is no way. I will repeat that for someone here who needs to hear it. God will make a way where there is no way. I'm going to do that one more time. Every day this year, whatever you confront, whatever comes your way, whatever obstacle, impediment, hindrance, whatever life or the enemy or even you may create, I'm here to tell you God makes a way where there is no way. Isaiah 43, 19, and even if you say, Pastor Sam, but what if I'm going through a desert? The Bible says that he will make a way even in the midst of the desert. So whatever you're confronting, and by the way, in this church, we don't believe, we're not limited, we're not myopic in our theology. We don't have this idea that we need a door in order to go through. No, you don't. The God that we serve doesn't need a door for you to go through. The God that we serve will make a door out of a wall, will make a way where there is no way. Are you with me right now? If it's in your way, God will either make a way or he will knock it down. Somebody know what I'm talking about in this way? This is for somebody here right now. I don't know who it is. I need you to put a smile on your face. Rebuke the anxiety. Whatever's in front of you is about to be removed from you because God is making a way where there is no way. Joshua encountered that God. Joshua went through the desert with his generation and he witnessed two things. That even in the deserts of life, God is faithful. God, the God we serve will make water come out of a rock and manna come down from heaven. God will provide your needs even in the midst of your desert. Is anybody here a witness that even in your desert season, God provided? How many saw God provide even in your desert? So this is so important. I want you to hear me. Who is Joshua? Joshua was born in Egypt as a slave. Joshua came out of Egypt, led by Moses, into the desert. In the desert with his generation, his generation, Ooh, in his death, he, he, Joshua and Caleb were the exceptions to the rule. His generation never outlived the desert because even though they came out of Egypt, they got stuck in the desert because they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. You missed it. The Bible says in Numbers that that entire generation died with the exception of Joshua and Caleb because with their mouths, with their mouths, the words that come out of your mouth could impede you from conquering the promise. With their minds, the Bible says they were whining. They whined. Whining. Whining can stop you from entering the promise. There are people in church who are no longer in the Egypt of sin. They are saved. When they die, they go to heaven. But on this side of eternity, they never occupy all of God's promises because even though they came out of Egypt, Egypt never came out of them. They're, they're still stuck in the past. And, and they're, they're always talking about. They whine instead of worshiping. Are you with me? 
They're always bickering and always looking at the negative and always, why, where is God? I can't believe he permitted. I can't believe he should have left us in need. All of that. By the way, there are people that get stuck here. I'm going to get a little bit. Stephanie told me that I need to preach it like I did at 9 o'clock. And she said, even though it's 12 o'clock is my primarily millennials, you need to hit this the way you did at 9 o'clock. So because of Stephanie Hopkins, I'm going to have to preach it this way. There is... There are people that stay stuck here. You know why? Because the desert is pretty easy. Let me explain to you something. In the desert, you wake up every morning. You know what they got? Manna from heaven. No, no. You miss. They wake up in the morning. You walk out and boom, pff, manna. I mean, how easy is it? You wake up in the morning, bread. You want water? Speak to a rock. Water out of a rock, manna from heaven. But the problem is there's a generation that wanted, that just got stuck there. There are people that never go into the promise because they are so enamored with the manna and the water from the rock that it becomes easy for them. You get entitled. You get, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. That You, 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 you slouch. There's, there's a mindset of laziness and entitlement where, where it's easy. It's easy. to. And there are people that want to rent an apartment in the desert. And some people want to build a house in the desert. And, they, and, they, and I, this is easy. I'm, I'm not there, but I, this is okay. Because every morning I wake up and, and then when I'm thirsty, I... But then there's other people. And the other people are like Joshua and Caleb. And they go like, I don't want to stay here. Even though it's easy because you get manna. You wake up and you get bread. Bread and water, bread and water. It sounds like Folsom Prison back in the day. It's No, even though God, there's a generation that says, I don't, I'm not satisfied with manna and with water. As for me and my house, we're going to keep on moving until we get our milk. I'm going to ask one time. Are there any milk and honey people in Sacramento, California? How many won't be satisfied until you and your family occupy all of God's promises? Is there anyone here tired of the desert? Is there anyone here who won't be satisfied with manna and water? How many are ready for the land that flows with milk and honey? That's Joshua. You're a Joshua. If you are, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right swiping and getting manna and getting water from a rock. If that's you, you made that the next 17 minutes will make you uncomfortable. Because this is for everyone who says, nah. No, 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 no. I came out of Egypt. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Repeat after me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Say it like you believe it. I'm no longer a slave to sin. No, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't. It just means you're not a slave to sin. You're no longer in the Egypt of captivity, and you're not going to be buried in the desert. You are going to lead. Joshua led a generation born in the desert into the land of promise. You are going to lead your generation. You're going to lead your family into the promises of God. Joshua, put a smile on your face. You will lead your family into God's promises. And I want you to know that God's promises are way beyond a piece of land. If you believe that God's promises is a brand new house, 5,000 square feet, four bedrooms, three baths, a sauna, a swimming pool, if you believe that's God's promise, a Maserati, 
a Tesla, whatever you may believe, electric, gas, doesn't matter. They'll turn off the power both ways anyway. If that's your promised land, you're missing it. In this house, we don't teach and preach that that's the promised land. If getting a house and getting a car is the promise of God, man, that's the stuff that Matthew 6.33 says, those things will be added. That's the addition stuff. I'm going to tell you the promise of God you're about to occupy. The promise of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Oh, you missed it. I said the promise of God is the fact that you're not going to hell. You're going to spend eternity with God. The promise of God is abundant life. Did you hear that? John 10, 10. The enemy came to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life. Is there anyone here in 2023 who is ready to live abundantly for Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus? Abundant life is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Abundant. What's the promise of God? Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your family will be saved. The promise of God is divine protection. 2 Thessalonians 3.3. God is faithful to protect you from all evil. The promise of God is healing. I'm going to say that. The promise of God is healing. I'm going to say that one more time. The promise of God is divine health. Oh, Pastor Sam, but does that really? No, it is. I'm going to say it. First Peter 2, 24, by the stripes of Christ, not we will be healed. Not one day we'll be healed. Not in heaven. By the stripes of Christ, we are already healed. How many believe 2023, you will see God's divine health in your body, in your family? In the, the promise of God. Is divine protection, divine provision. Philippians 4, 19, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. The promise of God is him, is God converting you more like Jesus, making you more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, where you go from one level of glory to the next, where more people will be saved, delivered, and healed through your testimony this year than any other year in the past. The promises of God. So you're about to, and that's just some, you're about to occupy God's promises. The promise of God is that you will not be harassed and followed by devils, demons, legions, principalities, and powers of darkness. I'm going to say that one more time. The promise of God is that it's not when you wake up in the morning, you see demons, devils. I'm tired of hearing Christians saying, oh, I have every day for me is spiritual warfare. And they do it with an accent. Every day is spiritual warfare. There's spiritual warfare. It's like, I see warfare. The devil's in everywhere. Listen to me, man. If you wake up in the morning and you're a Christian and every morning you see demons, you got to stop. You got to change your Netflix movie that you're watching the night before. Because I'm going to be honest. When I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up in the morning and see demons. When I wake up in the morning, I say, goodness and mercy. Oh, y'all missed it. The Bible says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Is anyone ready for goodness and mercy and signs and wonders and healings and miracles? These are the promises of God. So we are going to occupy the promise. Right, am I saying that God can never bless you with a house? Sure, but that's the addition. That's the overflow. That's secondary, not primary. And, and is he going to bless you that way? Sure. Why? Because God wants to bless you in such an overwhelming way when you demonstrate to him that you have the bandwidth and the maturity to manage the blessing. 
You got me? In other words, so if you're not responsible for paying the rent, don't ask them for a mortgage. You, you, you got, are we okay today? You got to show them to make room that you have the maturity and the bandwidth that you can manage. If you're good with the now, you'll be great with the next. So you're actually being tested. In the past few years, you were tested. I'm preaching now. In the past few years, you came out of Egypt. You went through the desert. And in the desert, God said, let me see what you do with the manna. Let me see what you do with the water. Do you, are you worshiping me in the desert? Are you, are, you, are you believing in me in the desert? Do you confide in me in the desert? Do you continue to prophesy in the desert? Do you continue to pray in the desert? And if you are faithful in the desert, then God says, well, welcome. I have a land waiting for you with milk and honey in the promised land so, he, so Joshua went from Egypt which is failure it's, and sin captivity the desert which is a process don't get stuck in the process don't get stuck in the process and then there's the promised land and his generation died here because they couldn't get over they just they had big mouths. They just complaining and bickering. So Joshua came in. All of a sudden, that Joshua anointing, whew, ha-ha. We are introduced to Joshua. Prior to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, Joshua shows up in three major chapters of the book. Three major sets in the movie. We're first introduced to him in Exodus chapter 17. First time we're introduced to Joshua, the guy who led his generation to promise land. Not even Moses did it. Joshua did. He was three things prior to Joshua 1. He was a warrior, a worshiper, and a visionary. I will repeat that. He was a warrior. He was willing to fight. He was a worshiper. He stood in God's presence when Moses came out of it. We'll get to that next week. And he was a visionary. Once upon a time, they looked at the promised land. They scouted the promised land. Twelve spies. He was one of the twelve. Him and his homie Caleb. They looked at the land. They came back. The other spies came back and said, oh, man. Oh, that land, the promised land. What a promise. It's filled with giants. Mucho grande hombre. Filled giants. We can't do it. Joshua and Caleb came back. Same people, same 12 people saw the same thing. Two of them came back and said, and by the way, when you hear preachers preach this part and they go like, but Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we see milk and honey. That's not completely accurate. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that Joshua and Caleb recognized the giants. Quote, we saw the giants, but we also see a land that flows with he said, we saw the giants. We don't deny the fact that there's giants there. But we also saw something else. You got to stop focusing on the giant in front of you. And you got to start seeing the land. No, 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 you're not getting it. You got to stop. The devil wants you to only see the giants. But God says, look beyond the giants and you will see milk and honey. Somebody needs to see what's on the other side of the giants. And that's when they said, and we can take that land. We can overcome the giant. So three things, a warrior, a worshiper, a visionary. Raise your right hand, repeat after me. I have a Joshua anointing. Which means I have a warrior anointing. 
a worshiper anointing, a visionary anointing. I will see what others do not see. Exodus 17. Bring up my guys quickly. Exodus 17. Let me show you. Real quick here. I'm going to show you what happened here. This really happened. They had this moment. Moses. This is the way Joshua's introduced. Exodus 17. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands. The Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hand, the Amalekites were winning. How about that? I mean, put that in perspective. All he had to do was lift up his hands. So here it is. This is how we're introduced to Joshua in all of the Bible. Moses says, hey, Joshua, you're the new commander, the new general of the army. So Joshua says, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, oh, little side note. We're introduced to Joshua as the servant of Moses. Subsequently, Joshua enters the promised land with his own right hand, who is Caleb. We never find Joshua alone. Uh, Time out. Stop for a second. Joshua was never in the context of a solo biopic where it was all about him. Your connection will determine your conquests. Who you're connected with will determine what you conquer. You gotta be connected. You can't do Christianity by yourself. You can't do this Christian bait by yourself. You gotta stop thinking you can do this by yourself. You need a Moses or a Caleb in your life. The Bible says where two or more come in agreement, God will be in the midst of them. I'm gonna double down on that. God God is looking for community. He's looking for a tribe. He's looking for you to pray with someone else. And stop doing this, stop doing it. I'm going through my own personal battle. I don't want anyone to know. I used to trust people in the past, but they betrayed me, so I don't trust anyone anymore. Get over yourself. You don't live there anymore. You're not that person anymore. Are you with? That's what the devil would like you to do, to shrivel up in some sort of isolationism. No! Find somebody who will pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. Am I preaching here to anybody? Fight! Find somebody who will praise you through it. Find somebody who will lay hands on you. Find somebody who will actually take some oil and say, I'm not going to let you stay here. God didn't make you for Egypt. God didn't make you for the desert. God made you for the promised land. So this is what happened. Get the musicians up here unless they're a union break. Get up here quickly. This is what they did. You have your hands up. And Joshua would do this, watch. Hands were up, Joshua would look up, and Joshua would say, again, put this in perspective. The Hebrews are now in the desert. They're no longer in Egypt. They're not warriors. They were slaves. No, you're not even getting this. They came out of Egypt wearing the possessions and the clothing of the Egyptians. This really happened. The Egyptians were so desperate because of the plagues to get rid of them that they actually said, take our clothes, please. You got to envision a bunch of former slaves wearing Neiman Marcus clothing in the desert. Like, what are these high heels? I mean, they, they, they were slaves. They used to wear slave clothes. All of a sudden, they're wearing like 
Egyptian clothing and they're in the desert wearing clothing that wasn't even theirs and they don't all they knew how to do was make bricks about straw and take care of the cattle and the sheep and the herd and all they knew how to do was build but they weren't warriors all of a sudden Moses says hey Josh you're my commander of the army what army yeah gather a bunch of guys and those bad guys there the cartel is in the desert and the cartel, the Amalekites, you're gonna to have to fight them. So Joshua's going like, okay. So we fight? Yeah. And here's the secret. Moses had a staff in his hand, the rod, a staff. As long as he would lift up his hands, lift up the staff, this is what would happen. Joshua would fight, advantage the Hebrews. The hands were up, are the hands still up? Advantage, Hebrews. The hand's still up. He didn't even know what he was doing. He was just advantage, Hebrews. Put the hands out. This really happened. Oh, snap. Hands go down and advantage Amalekites. They take back the land. All right. Put the hands up. Boom. Boom. Moses lifted up his hands with the staff. The Israelites would win. John says, that the staff in the hand of Moses was nothing less than Jesus. You missed it. You totally missed it. The Gospel of John, the New Covenant says, the staff in the hands of Moses, now through the Word made flesh, is Jesus Christ. Let me explain. While you lift up Jesus, you will always have the advantage. Oh, you're not getting that. I said, while you lift up Jesus, you will always win. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't care what army is in front of you. I dare you to lift up Jesus right now. And the victory will be yours. In your family, in your home, in your... Somebody lift up Jesus and watch the victory. Lift up both hands. As long as you lift up Jesus, you will always win. If you lift up Jesus, you will always win. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Lift up Jesus over your children right now. I, whatever you're going through, lift up Jesus over your health right now. Do it right now. Lift up Jesus over your finances right now. Lift up Jesus over your relationships. No, it's a guaranteed thing. As long as you lift up Jesus, you will always win. When you lift up Jesus, Isaiah 54, 17 stands activated. No weapon formed against you will ever prosper. Lift up Jesus and you will win. Can I declare this? In 2023, you will not lose one day because every single day you will lift up Jesus. And because you lift up Jesus, you will always have the advantage. Tell your neighbor, I have the advantage. Tell your other neighbor, I have the advantage. I'm not giving up one inch. In 2023, every single day, I will occupy all of God's promises. I lift up Jesus. So watch this. Go, go ahead, lift up, lift him up. Joshua, he lift him up, he lift him up, and Joshua will go, okay, victory, advantage, advantage. Lower them. He got tired. He got tired. A couple things here, a couple things here about getting, hmm, a couple things. Watch. He took care of connecting heaven to the situation by lifting up the staff, the Bible says. So he interceded 
And Joshua would do what? Joshua would what? Yeah. I like that. Help me out, Snash. Jo 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 Joshua did what? And, and he would do what? So he would intercede. And Joshua would do what? Don't you dare get into a fight unless someone is praying and interceding for you. Oh, somebody got to get this right now. Has anybody ever been through warfare where, where you went through a battle and then you went, why am I getting smacked around? Because you went through a battle without having someone else intercede. I told you Christianity is not to be done by yourself. What, whatever you feel, you have to fight for your family, fight for your future, fight for your destiny, fight for your dream, fight for your calling, fight someone. Find someone who will pray you through. Find someone who will fast you through. Lord, crazy stuff. I'm gonna rap. Watch this. Who, who got tired? I'm gonna sit. Who got tired? Who got tired? Did Joshua get tired of fighting? It is more exhaustive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away and drop the mic. You think the heavy burden was Joshua? No. Joshua was doing the physical. Moses was doing the spiritual. You're missing it, but you're going to get it. It is more exhaustive, more tiring, more of a weight to be a Moses and to be a Joshua. Joshua was just manifesting what Moses was ushering in. Are you hearing me right now? You're never going to get tired of fighting, but some of us get tired of holding the spiritual weight, of lifting up truth in the midst of unrighteousness. But I'm here to tell you, I'm a prophesy now. You know what happened when he got tired? When he got tired, when he got tired, when he got tired, when he... Are you ready? God's about to surround you with the kind of people that'll lift up your hands. I, with great due deference, as long as the person next to you does not get offended, I dare you to lift up their hand. Lift them up. Lift them up. I sense the Lord. In 2023, you will not be surrounded by people that let you go down. In 2023, you will not be surrounded by people that let your dream fall, your anointing fall, your calling fall, your integrity fall, your gifting fall, your purpose fall. In 2023, God, this is you, baby. This is you. God's going to surround you with the kind of people that say, uh-uh. Even when you can't. I feel a breakthrough right about now. Even when you can't. We will lift up your hands and victory will. Somebody shout like victory's already yours.
stand with you are standing those that are not standing I dare you to read repeat after me just say I have the advantage advantage me for Christ through Christ in Christ as long as his hands were lifted he found people around him that would not permit him if all you're doing is surrounding yourself with people that let your hands come down that permit your faith to fail your dream to collapse you need an Aaron and a her look around you you have them we call that church we call that community we call that family and if you're from Rio Linda, familia. This is it. As long as his hands were up. Because we get tired of this. We don't get tired of this. This is, that's the easy part. But it's easy to fight when someone is taking care of the spiritual battle. If you got this word, raise your hands. So you want to be Joshua. In 2023, Joshua's are synonymous. The book of Acts chapter 7. Cross references. It's always, we learn from the Old Testament. We live according to the New so it's always important to cross-reference if it's an Old Testament passage with the New. John says the staff was Jesus. Luke in the book of Acts for the Holy Spirit talks about Joshua entering with the tabernacle into the land of promise and how he did it. There it is. Acts 7.45. If you're here listening to this message, you're online somewhere around the world, you're receiving a Joshua anointing. You're going to lead your generation, your family, into the promises of God. I just shared with you some of the promises of God. They are spiritual. They are eternal. And they have physical manifestations, without a doubt, on this side of eternity and the next. You need to occupy them. But you need to have somebody in your life. Now, we know Jesus is the chief intercessor. The man in the middle is still the man in the middle. Christ, I want you to hear me. The moment this happened, Joshua ended up winning. He, this really happened like this. He defeated the Amalekites. He went like secret sauce. We lift up the staff. We lift up in our context, Jesus. We win. How complicated is that? Lift up Jesus, win. Don't lift up Jesus, lose. Wow. So Jesus is above everything. My circumstance, my problem, my drama, my trauma, my past, my friends, my foes, my haters, my detractors, disruption. Jesus is lifted above everything. The name above. Jesus is above everything. He got the victory. Moses looked at Joshua. All right, we won. Now we know the secret. Staff goes up, we win. Aha. So Moses, where is it? This, this is, Moses said, all right, we're going to build an altar. I have a new revelation for the name of God. 
We're going to call him Jehovah Nisi. God, the Lord Jehovah is my banner. Here it is, new season in 2023. This means what? Jehovah is my banner. Jehovah is my refuge. The Lord is my exaltation and the Lord is my victory. In 2023, all the Joshua's in the house, lift up your hands. This year, over your family, over your home, over your marriage, over your mind, body, soul, and spirit, over every decision you make, every single day this year, the Lord is your banner. The Lord is your standard. Matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. Pastor Elijah, I want you to walk across the stage, and then I want you to walk through. Watch this. I, I didn't do this at 9 o'clock or 10.30. I want you to come down, and I want you to go between the aisles and wave the flag. There's going to be a breakthrough anointing in this place. And whoever's in the midst of the battle, you will see your victory this week in the name of Jesus. If you receive it, if this is for you, if you need your breakthrough and your victory, lift up your hands and give God your best praise. Somebody shout Jehovah Nisi. Say it like you believe it, Jehovah Nisi. I dare you to touch your name and tell him God is your banner. God is your refuge. God is your victory. God is your everything. Jehovah Nisi. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Run around. Show it around, Pastor e. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. The our hands is not a religious exercise in futility. It's not a cultural thing. When we lift up our hands, we're lifting up Jesus. And it means <laughs> advantage. So let's do it one more time. Ready? Matter of fact, let's just do it in a, in a do we have, where's Philip? Philip, where you be? Philip, take a nice pick of this. This is a prophetic moment for this church. We're not going to give one iota of ground. We're not going to permit the enemy to occupy one bit of land. We're going to occupy all of God's promises. Us, our children, and our children's children, we're going to kick the Amalekite. Every lying devil coming after our children, we're about to kick them out in the name of Jesus. Are you with me right now? I sense a breakthrough anointing right now. We are about even... I don't care. you've never been in a battle before, God is going to give you the victory. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Ready? Everybody lower your hands. Philip, grab a hold of this. When I count to three, I want us all to lift up our hands at the same time. Just like Moses. Jesus is my rod, my staff. I lift up Jesus. I win. Guaranteed. Don't lift up your hand unless you are committed to every single day this year lifting up Jesus. You wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is lift up Jesus. Throughout the course of the day, lift up Jesus. 
before you go to sleep at night? Through your actions, words, deeds, and thoughts? Through your postings? What you watch? What you say? What you think? How you give? How you forgive? How you praise? How you love? How you speak truth? How you do justice? How you love mercy? How you walk humbly before God? All right. So the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand just like Moses did and watch your victory inundate you. Fight. Fight fully aware. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That if God before you, who can be against you? And even fight fully cognizant of 2 Chronicles 20:15. The battle is mine, say of the Lord. One. And if your neighbor, there's a purpose for this thing. I'm sharing it. Oh, I'm messing it all up. The purpose is if you see your neighbor not lifting up their hands. I wasn't supposed to tell. The whole exercise was you doing it automatically. With, act like I didn't tell you. One, two, this is not an illustrated sermon. This is unleashing victory in all aspects of your life. Christ purchased Holy Spirit sustained victory every day this year in all aspects of your life. Ooh, I, forgive me, but I feel somebody already this year, the enemy trying to show up to disrupt and interrupt that ends right here, right now in this place. Somebody should get ready. You're going to lift up your hands and you're probably going to give God the best praise you've given Him this year. One, two, one, two, three. Oh, oh.